1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to look into the future with two futurists, and then we'll discuss the top five New Year's resolutions everyone fails at.
2: So, I think the major cultural shift we're going to see changing over the next decade or so is people starting to realize that the baseline biology that they're born with doesn't need to be what they live and die with. You know, the
3: ultimate goal is to be mundane. The ultimate goal, when the future arrives on your doorstep, it needs to feel like Tuesday.
1: I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. A new year is always really exciting, right? Like anytime you go into a new year, it's just filled with this promise and hope. And I think it's especially true this year because we're going into a new decade, 2020s. Well, we wanted to look ahead and see what can we really expect over the next year, five years, 10 years? What are going to be the big changes that could be down the road that could really change our society? This episode is set up a little bit differently. We sent 10 questions to two futurists. And you'll hear Ryan O'Shea first, and then Brian David Johnson. How did you become a futurist?
2: So a futurist is a kind of funny thing. I feel kind of, you know, you don't want to call yourself a futurist. So what does that even mean? But what I do is I focus my time researching emerging science and technologies and trying to see which of them are going to be put in practice over the next few coming years or decades And how is that going to impact humanity going forward?
1: I really feel like we're getting into that area of technology where now we have to start asking should we be doing this?
2: Yeah, I think that's something that we've been asking for a long time already. You look at things like uh, nuclear power and nuclear weapons. Uh, These are bridges that humanity already crossed and were big issues we need to decide about how we want to move forward. We're doing that a lot now with medicine you know in the 90s stem cell therapy was was big controversial topic in the united states and it still is today and now we're looking at things like cloning and genetic enhancements and tampering with the dna of crops and animals and our food supply
1: when it comes to that kind of stuff do you think that we fully understand the ramifications of what we're doing
2: no i don't think we understand fully the ramifications of anything I mean, looking at water, for example, right? We think water is a safe, healthy thing, but theoretically, no, I don't believe this, but theoretically, after 130 years of exposure, water could kill us all, right? We don't know that because no human has lived to 130 to experience 130 years of exposure to water. So we're kind of making guesses, educated guesses, about all of these things.
1: How often are you or other futurists, are you usually right? (laughs)
3: I can tell you, i um, if you ask my students, they have analyzed a book that I wrote called Screen Future, and it was about the work that I was doing back in 2005, and the book is about the far-off and distant future of 2015. And they analyzed that book, and it was really about the future of television and where television was going, and that we'd be watching TV on our phones and on our laptops, and we'd be using anything that had a screen to be able to connect with people. And if you, they analyze the book, and they'll tell you I got it about ninety six percent correct.
1: So it's definitely not like looking into a crystal ball kind of a thing. It's a little bit more scientific than that. I take it. It's a bit more
3: scientific, but also it's a bit more engineering-based. And what I mean by that is because I'm an applied futurist. And there's lots of different types of futurists. There are sociological futurists. There are big visionary futurists. I really just look 10 years out and work with organizations to model positive and negative futures and figure out what we need to do to get there. So as an applied futurist, I'm not just saying, I believe this is what the future could look like. I'm then working with organizations to go about and build that future.
1: Getting into some of the questions that we sent you and that people sent to us, In the next year, what do you think is going to be the thing that is going to be changing? Like, what does 2019 look like? The
2: the big stuff we're going to see in the coming years, 2019 included, is kind of the things that are starting to take effect now, really ramping up. We already have artificial intelligence assistance that we're bringing into our homes with Alexa and Siri and Google Home. We're sharing more and more of our data with these devices, with our computers, with our cell phones. What I am excited to see and what is coming soon is when these devices all start communicating with one another and sharing information and helping us kind of live our lives in a way that is mediated by technology so that we can focus on what we want to do and things like the shopping lists and remembering where you parked your car and remembering your appointments are taken care of by our technology to free us up. Beyond that, other things like virtual reality is starting to gain a mainstream market appeal that'll introduce a whole new market to virtual reality. And I think this is really one of those things that's going to impact how we entertain ourselves, how we educate ourselves, how we do all of these things and interact socially going forward. Well, as we move into
3: 2019, we're going to see things like artificial intelligence. And when I say that, it's autonomy, digital autonomy. So that would be autonomy digitally, where you have algorithms going out and doing work, or you might have physical autonomy as well, where you have self-driving cars, um, you have uh, self-driving semi-trucks, you have, we already have ghost fleets now, where you have self-driving boats. So I think you'll begin to see these autonomous technologies coming more and more to the forefront.
1: Are we in any kind of position now where we could see a bigger leap forward in the next year or two than we have in the past?
3: Typically, that depends less on technology and more on us. It's the decision that we have to make. I tell many people, we could have self-driving cars right now.
1: What do you think is going to be the biggest change that we could be facing in, say, the next next decade? Like, what is the next thing that you think this is going to revolutionize society?
2: One thing that I am greatly passionate about, and we're seeing the early and controversial steps to it now, is human enhancement. You know, we, for decades, centuries, millennia, had the medical industry. And the medical industry has been focused on taking people who are arbitrarily considered sick or disabled and bringing them up to an equally arbitrary definition of healthy or able-bodied. But we're now starting to realize that with these devices, like prosthetic limbs, and with enhancement drugs, and with gene editing and engineering and gene therapy, we can take baseline humans beyond that. And overcome biological limitations. And a lot of people are asking, if we can do that, should we? And if we can do that, who has access to these technologies and who doesn't? So I think the major cultural shift we're going to see changing over the next decade or so is people starting to realize that the baseline biology that they're born with
3: doesn't need to be what they live and die with. It's not a single technology, it's a constellation of technologies. So as we talked about artificial intelligence, robotics, certainly the Internet of Things, so the ability to turn anything into a computer, Uh, smart cities, so at at the macro level being able to have cities that are smart and connected as well. And when you put all those together, you have something that I like to call, we, we will begin to see the rise of sentient tools. And so these are tools that are, number one, aware, they're sort of physically and culturally aware. Number two, they can think, they have artificial intelligence. But most importantly, the third thing is that they're social. They'll know us as individuals. We'll be able to act and interact with them, not as machines, but to be more human. It will allow us to be more human. And they'll know if we're tired. They'll know our family and they'll know our friends. And we've got a lot of security we have to work on around that. But it's really gonna actually make our machines far more capable of interacting with us like human beings. This is the thing that I've always thought is completely ridiculous about technology. For the last 25 years, we have turned ourselves into machines so that we can act and interact with technology. We've used a keyboard. And a keyboard is a ridiculous way. There's nothing human about a keyboard. And finally, we're moving into a time where we can use voice. We can use our proximity. We can actually use the things that are really make us human to interact with machines.
1: What do you think is going to be the biggest threat, not necessarily to our survival, but just to our way of life?
2: I think the less, the less fancy ones are the ones we're actually going to face. Things like global warming, things like nuclear war, and tensions within humanity ourselves. If anyone's going to end humanity, it's going to be us, and it's because we make stupid decisions and we don't do what we know we need to do.
3: One of the things that scares me the most is when people become passive. We all need to be active participants in our future, whether it be for our lives, for our family, for our community, for our state, for our country, for the world. That we can't sit back and let the future happen to us because that's where we get into trouble. And then the flip side of that is when we forget that it's about humans. I think you can see uh, business decisions, you can see technology decisions, you can see regulatory and legislative decisions that when we forget that ultimately it's about us, it really is about people. And if we take humans out of the center, that's, that's what really worries me.
1: Will robots take over the Earth?
2: I think robots can take over the Earth, and I don't think that's such a bad thing, right? I guess the question is, what will happen to humanity in that situation? If you ask me, I would say humans should merge with the robots. Let's go ahead and have them be a part of us. Let's turn ourselves, as some would say, I guess, into cyborgs. Let's not fight the machines. The machines can be us. They can all be us.
3: No. (laughs) Here's what I can tell you. So I build robots, right? I'm a roboticist. And so I joke with people to say, look, if you don't want the robots to rise up and take over the world, don't download the world domination app very simple. Like, again, we have to remember that robots are tools and that again, why are we making them and what are we optimizing them for? And we need to make sure just like with any technology that we're aware of unintended consequences, but no, because the reason why they're not, they're not going to take over the world is because we're going to design them so that they don't.
1: This kind of worries me. And I don't know when it's going to happen. Worries me in the sense that people, I feel like they have to have a purpose and in some senses, work is really what gives them that purpose. And I think that we're coming into this future where there's going to be a large percentage of the people that are not going to be working. How do you think that can we handle that? Do we need like a universal basic income?
2: Yeah, the labor market is completely changing. Self-driving cars are going to put drivers and truck drivers and taxi drivers and Uber drivers out of work. We have already have automated cashiers in Online systems where you can get goods and services without interfacing with a human. So humans are losing their jobs. But I think that's a good thing. I don't want people to be slaves to their their bellies and their education and their lodging and housing to have to do something a machine can do just so they can justify their right to live. So I, you mentioned universal basic income there. I think that's definitely something we should experiment with. Let's see what happens When we give people the amount of money, or maybe it's not even money, maybe it's just the resources they need to survive. How do they spend their time? A lot of people think they might waste it away playing video games or with recreation, but I don't think that's how it's going to be. I know that if I had unlimited funds and unlimited resources, I would spend my time exploring and making discoveries and learning more. I think that's what drives us as humans, and I don't think we need to have a paycheck-given job to do that. I think that's just part of what we
3: do. Machines have always taken over tasks for human beings, right? I I, I like to to tell folks when you use your washing machine to do laundry, do you weep for the washer women who used to beat rocks in the streams to clean clothes? No, of course not, right? That's the idea is that we use machines to free us up so that we can do other things. And I think that's the thing we can't forget as a culture and, and as people that human beings are inherently curious and we're inherently social. And the funny thing about work is that it's not finite. There's not a sum total of work and then if the machines then do all the work then we will have nothing to do. So that's one of the things that we're always gonna create more things to do and other things to do. And the thing that, one of the reasons why I'm sort of do the work that I do, especially in education, is to say, how do we make sure that we are now educating the next generation of workers So that they can take advantage of these technologies and do more work. And when I say next generation of workers, what I mean by that is not just that really smart 16-year-old that she's coming through high school, but also that 26-year-old, that 36-year-old, that 46-year-old, and all the way up. That we're starting to create that. And that's one of the things that we're not doing.
1: Which one of these are we getting first, jetpacks or flying cars?
2: I'm not sure we're going to get either of those. I'm interested in the flying car model there mainly because that would get rid of the issue of roads and everything, right? Let's take care of these problems. Jetpacks, they seem a little bit unwieldy to me. Could have a lot of problems there.
3: Hopefully neither. <laughs> because, I don't know, have you ever been around a real jetpack? It's, it's really dangerous. I
1: mean, you are essentially strapping fire and explosives to your back. Probably right. not you, the best idea.
3: Have you ever driven on a highway during rush hour? believe me we do not want to put those things up in the air and have them flying around each other this is very worrisome
1: which movie do you think shows the most realistic version of the future like okay that could really be what it looks like
2: i can tell you what i would want it to be i think i'd want it to be some of the original star trek series right where you have this kind of like utopian society where people are kind of have this technology that helped them live out their lives in the way that they want to, and they're exploring the universe. What I think might actually happen is more of the eco-disaster films, where you see an apocalyptic wasteland because people couldn't control their own greed and their work to to make things better. So a lot of these post-apocalyptic films that are very popular now, things like the Fallout video game series, that could be the world we might be heading towards. Uh, I think we need to avoid
3: that, though. I think there's two. One is more near-term, and that's the Spike Jonze movie, Her. So this is a, um, a bit of a romance, actually, between uh, a human male and what they call a uh, operating system, but it was really artificial intelligence. And so he has um, a relationship, and in it, um, the way the world looks the way that they talks about machine intelligence, because what happens in it, it's quite a beautiful story because it's showing how a man is broken, he's emotionally broken, and how he can use this technology to actually make himself better. Um, it, it also, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, um, for me, it I think better represents what the technological singularity might look like when machine intelligence surpasses human intelligence, because I don't believe that the machines will kind of destroy all humanity. Because in this movie, what happens is when the machines get smarter than human beings, they just break up with us.
1: No. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then and then a little bit further out, I'm a huge fan of Interstellar. Uh, and the reason why is because when they were uh, making Interstellar, they were working very closely with physicists and scientists. And actually, the, vis- the visualizations in that movie... Um, are better than some of the scientific visualizations that they've done of black holes and of space travel. And I've uh, heard and talked to many physicists who have said that seeing that, that they thought that that is the actual way that it will look.
1: Ultimately, do you think technology is a good or a bad thing? Or are we the problem with technology necessarily? I
2: think technology itself is an undeniable good. Now, technology is only a tool, though. It all depends on how it's used, and we could use it for good or bad. At the same time, we're giving – technology gives people who want to cause harm more power to do so. And when we're talking about things like uh, bioengineering diseases and nuclear weapons and things like that, you could have a small group or even an individual, as technology increases, have the power to commit extreme acts of violence. That's something we need to be conscious of.
3: The answer is both. And the reason is because it's really not about technology. That technology is just a tool, right? And the tool doesn't get to decide what it wants to do. And, again, it's about humans deciding. But the really difficult thing, right, a hammer is just a hammer. It's not really very interesting. Human beings, we love to fetishize our tools. We love to obsess about them. We create whole big box stores that are filled with tools. But it's really not about the tools. It's what you can use the tool to do. But the problem is that you can't create a tool like, you, like a hammer. You can't create a hammer sufficient enough to drive a nail that also isn't sufficient enough to bash somebody's head in. And so we're always going to have this gray area of what we use technology for.
1: What is your secret, boldest prediction for the future? Like the thing that you kind of think could happen, but you wouldn't necessarily want to tell anybody because somebody might say, oh man, that's out there. There are
2: a lot of media articles out in the last year or so talking about microchip implants that a lot of people are getting. And there's a lot of fear in people that this could be a new world order kind of government controlled thing where either corporations or governments themselves are controlling you. I don't think any of that is going to happen. But I think a lot of this fear around implants is going to be replaced by people understanding the desire for implants and what they can do for us. So I would say in the next 10, 20 years, especially the the children, the younger generation that's growing up now, they are going to have and actively seek and want implanted devices in their body. So this is going to be a culture shift where a lot of the people who are, you know, 30 and above now might be concerned and scared and not want these things in their bodies, but it's generational. And the kids that are growing up now are going to see the benefits of these things and want them. So most people that are alive in the next few decades are going to have non-medical augmentative implantations inside their bodies.
1: I kind of feel like this either we're at the stage, well, not just now, but I kind of feel like moving forward, it's all going to go really good or really bad.
0: I, I
2: totally agree. It could go one way or the other. And I'm, Actively working for option one in that situation, I want it to go for the good. But I think we need more people getting involved to make
3: that the case. And it's the most unpopular thing for me to say as a futurist. Like I shouldn't be saying this at all. Like, and your 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 listeners are not going to like it. Okay. So you might just want to shut the podcast off. Let's just do that. Let's just shut the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're making you're making me a little bit nervous right now. And it's the
3: the dirty little secret about the future, that the future is going to look a lot like today.
1: Really? Nothing's going to change?
3: No, it's not that nothing's going to change. It's just what will the future look like? Meaning, so if you think about 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, you know, we were living in houses, you know, we're driving cars. You know, the way that society looked and the way we moved about it it was all kind of the same. You think about, like, the houses people have. I don't know. You know, it depends upon where you live. But many people pay a lot of money to live in a house that's really old. Yeah. That has has value. Because the thing is, is humans also value history as much as we value the future. And to be quite honest, if you walked out of your door and all of a sudden everything had changed and it was now a science fiction movie, that's awful human beings don't like change at all
1: is is there anything though that you that you could see coming that could really change that
3: yes and that is when the the, the barrier between biology and technology begins to come down but what i sort of push people to and why I think it is unimaginably awesome is because we can't even imagine what we would do with all that technology. If you could begin to move seamlessly between the digital and the, the biological world where everything just becomes data now.
1: I want to thank Ryan O'Shea and Brian David Johnson so much for joining us. If you want to connect with them, we have linked to them on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have their information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Now let's go ahead and give John Schull a call.
0: Mr. Vinzant.
1: All right, man. New year. Wow, the people.
0: I got nothing, man. You can't put me on the spot like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I will say this. You you nearly brought me to tears last episode. How was that? Because you introed it, you know, whatever. We're having a special episode. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. And you're like, I'm going to bring on my boy. And I'm like, he's calling me his boy.
1: Yeah, that's one of my New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Look, I, I had a little bit of expectations. I wanted I wanted to see what you were going to do. I mean, I put you on the spot. You, you failed miserably, but that's all right. Like I think we were expecting a lot from you there.
0: <laughs> I mean, listen, anyone who's listened to the show now for the last year and a half should know not to expect anything from anybody except for the geniuses you have on.
1: Right, right. I mean, our guests are easily the best part of this show. Let me ask you this question. Who would people like more? 2010 you? 2020, you. Oh
0: man, I was just having this conversation actually the other day. Now, are we talking about like friends, family, or just in general?
1: Let's go. Let's go in general, right?
0: Well, 2010, John did a lot more partying, uh, bought a lot more shots for random people at the bars. Yeah. Um, twenty twenty, John is about to be a two-time dad. Doesn't nearly get out of as much. You can barely see his own penis. So I'm going to go 2010, John.
1: Yeah, I feel like my family, and by that I mean my immediate family of wife and two childrens, would like 2020 me better. Everybody else would like 2010 me better.
0: <laughs> I would, you know i I, I want to ask you, what do you think is the best time of your life? Like ten years ago, I was uh, what 21, 22. Like, is the 20s to 30s the best time? Is 30s to 40s? So What would you say?
1: So apparently, I've actually looked this up, and they have done studies about this. Apparently, the number continues to rise up until you get into, like, your 50s. And then after you get into your 50s, as you hit, like, your 60s and 70s, that's when you start back looking backwards and saying, okay, that was really the best time. Apparently, it's around, like, 45, is what people in general consider to be the best time of their lives. They have a family, their career is usually financially stable, they've kind of got themselves figured out. But Wow, if you,
0: 45, if, that's way higher than I thought.
1: Yeah, that's, well, I mean, if you think about it, like, you've kind of got life figured out, and you, you've got a good path, right? Because <laughs> 10 years after you went past an age, like, would you really want to go back right now and be 22? Like, would you really want to do
0: that? Absolutely not.
1: Yeah, like I'm 35. I wouldn't want to go back and be 25. I really wouldn't. And I think that our younger audience would would probably not want to go back and be 15, even though they look at those <laughs> years being great, right? But apparently that the, the age kind of plateaus around 45, because then you're you're still in pretty good health as well. So that's, that's the long <laughs> answer to a short question. I think in your mid-40s.
0: Wait a minute. Did you just give a long-winded answer to a simple question?
1: Yeah, that's what I do
0: what's going on here? No, that's what I do.
1: Yeah, you do. But my answer was like coherent and generally kind of had a basic point. Yours usually rambles for about two minutes and then everybody goes, what? (laughs) The hell was the point of that?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I I like to keep you on your toes. That's for sure.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Speaking of getting older, do you think your best days are ahead of you or behind you?
0: I mean, I, I would say ahead of me. Um, I mean, strictly from like the, the the family point of it. I mean, let's be honest. If you if you live the normal kind of life and you go through your mid twenties, you don't have any real responsibility till maybe twenty two or twenty three. That's a lot of fun, right? You're just going to the bar, you're getting hammered, you know. And then as you get older, you have kids. Well, if you want to have kids, families, responsibilities. I mean, I think think my best is in front of me.
1: Yeah, I think my best is still in front of me, but I only got, like, maybe five years left. (laughs) I think that's about it. Then I'm going to start being the guy at the bar that's, like, too drunk at 6 o'clock in the afternoon trying to tell somebody his story, and nobody gives a shit.
0: I can tell you, I was was at a bar this past Saturday and got there around 3.30ish, and I ran into somebody... Uh, somebody's f- uh father that I've known for a while, and he had been there since they opened at noon.
1: <laughs> I respect it, and it's also <laughs> sad. Like, you can I'm do not, that. I'm
0: not saying one way or the other, but I, you know, he does what he wants, but I, I don't want to be that guy, I hope.
1: No, you can do that once. I'd say once a month, but that's even pushing it a little bit. You've got four of those <laughs> a year, right? And it needs to have some sort of sporting excuse to it. Um <laughs> look are you ready for your are you ready for your segment?
0: Let's do it, man.
1: Okay. We'll so
0: uh quick shout outs here, we're gonna keep it nice and crisp again. Uh once again thanks for everyone who listens, you know, follows us, all that other jazz on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever hell else sites there are now. Uh but uh David Spencer, Lee, uh Tanya, uh Diane Dagger, Dave, and my favorite mr. Bobo <laughs> uh, thanks uh, you know hopefully you guys like us uh, just because you don't interact but still follow us we still appreciate it and uh, we'll see what 2020 brings
1: I think you really, right, are you ready you've you've really, no, you really turned a corner in the last two episodes are you practicing this or have you just kind of finally gotten your 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 thoughts together
0: well I mean <laughs> I love how I'm explaining it uh, hopefully you edit this part out no no Um no. I just, you know, it took me a while to kind of get what you want. And, of course, you never really tell me what you want. I, like, have to, you know, learn on the fly. And we, I don't want to sound pompous, but we have a lot of people who follow us and, and, and comment and interact. So why not give everyone a shout-out, you know, if we can?
1: Okay. Can you actually give me the definition of the word pompous?
0: No. I, I think I know what it means, but I have a feeling because you asked me. I'm going to be completely wrong.
1: Okay, tell me what you think pompous means.
0: Arrogant or uh, uh, carries oneself higher than the rest.
1: Okay, I'm going to give you 70% credit. Effectively, wait, affect. Fuck, that's not good when you can't even pronounce the word. Affectedly <laughs> A- and irritatingly grand, solemn, or self important. See, I don't know what solemn means. That's one of those words that people use that I don't actually, like, oh, yeah, I'll use it too, but I don't actually know what it
0: means. I'm not not really sure either. Don't they say, like, I solemnly swear to tell the whole truth, blah, blah, blah? Like, how does that relate to being arrogant?
1: Apparently it doesn't. It's formal and dignified or not cheerful or smiling. Characterized by deep sincerity. This segment brought to you by our official, unofficial sponsor, dictionary.com.
0: Yeah yeah. That's D I C T for those who are wondering how to spell dictionary.
1: Good. Why why isn't there a porn site called Dictionary? D I K. There has to be a porn site called Dictionary. Let's look it up. D I
0: I'm sure, I'm sure there is. I would I would I'll bet you a dollar right now. That there is a a porn site called Dictionary.
1: There is not. And also, just so you know, Dick, like I thought it was for some reason, is not spelled D I K. It's spelled D I C K. Like, (laughs) God. Dick. Is there really not a porn site called Dictionary? God, there isn't.
0: How is there not a porn site? Come up with like our next entrepreneurial idea
1: how is there not a porn site called dictionary.com that there is not a porn site called dictionary.com seems like a huge oversight on the part of Pornhub or somebody uh what's your next thing
0: all right so uh i got some questions for you okay. um i don't care if you eat hot dogs or not i want you to answer this question because i got into a mini argument with my wife about this
1: god what kind of man gets into an argument with his wife over hot dogs
0: Somebody whose scale says error every time he steps on it.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, so, all right, so say you're having a hot dog. Do you prefer to grill it, microwave it, or boil it?
1: You know, I used to be a boiler. Now it's, <laughs> now it's just – um. now I have a toaster oven, man. Toaster oven – I was skeptical of the toaster oven, but toaster oven will change your life. So I would have to say if I was going to rank them, I would go toaster oven first boil, microwave, and then grill. It's just too much effort to grill
0: it. I agree with you on the effort, but I'm actually backwards. I don't have a toaster oven, so that's not on my list, but I would go grilling, microwave, then boiling. Wow,
1: that's wrong. <laughs>
0: uh, I know this episode's coming out uh, after the ball drops, but I want to know, uh, are you the kind of person, it's two-part question, one, to stay up and watch the ball drop, and if you are, are you always drunk by the time the ball drops?
1: I am not the kind of person to stay up and watch the ball drop specifically because of that. I'll stay up and just because, kind of like, ooh, it's 12 o'clock or it's midnight and then I'll take a shot. Or I guess kiss my <laughs> wife. I've been married long enough. I'd rather take a shot than kiss my wife at this point.
0: <laughs> but How many years of being married does it just? do you just want to take a shot instead of kissing your wife? What, like two
1: yeah, probably around two. I mean, the first year you got to be like it's our first New Year's Eve together. It's our first New Year's Eve engaged. It's our first New Year's Eve as a
3: married couple.
1: It's like oh Jesus, wow, it. That's it? A- yeah. Anyway, love you, honey. Love you. She's right behind me. Uh,
0: so my mind. last question is: say someone say you find thirty dollars on the floor of a bar. Are you spending that on say two nice drinks? glasses of, of whiskey or are you going to go bottom shelf and get as many as you can
1: first of all that's going bottom shelf for all day long you get a good bottom shelf bar that can get you 10 drinks that's going to get you at least at least four
0: <laughs> yeah for 30 bucks yeah for sure at least four drinks
1: i once found 30 dollars in the middle of the street no that's not true it was 50 dollars <laughs> I found $50 in the middle of the street walking through Vegas, played one hand of blackjack, hit 21, and never gambled again that trip.
0: <laughs> wow. What was the, I mean, what did you get your money back? What was the bet? Do
1: you remember? I think with blackjack, you get like a little bit more. So I think I, I put down 50 bucks all at once, and I think <laughs> I got back like – I, I don't. I don't understand gambling. Whenever people give me odds or stuff like that, I've never understood it. I think I maybe got. I think I got like hundred. I think I got a hundred and ten or something like that. I could be completely wrong.
0: You just wanted your room comp. That's I just all my room comp, baby. <laughs>
1: never did get it. Fucking Vegas, I'm taking all my money. <laughs>
0: Uh, terrible i would not want to be there that's my that's one of my places i do never i never want to experience new year's is in vegas
1: no i think new year's is a totally overrated party day yeah. it's too much man everybody's done by like 12 10 and goes home the streets and mess what are you amateur doing hour. amateur hour uh are you ready for our top five yeah speaking of Let's do it. Uh, So our number – oh, wait. Our top five is top five New Year's resolutions that people never keep. What's your number five?
0: Uh, My number five is get out of debt slash save money.
1: Okay. I think that's way too high. That needs to be way too – oh, wait. I always screw this up. It's way too low. That needs to be much closer to the top of your list. I think a lot of people make that as a New Year's resolution and never do it. All right. What's your number five? Uh, spend less time on your phone slash social media.
0: Okay, I had that as an honorable mention, but, uh, that, I probably should have put that in my top five.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's rising in popularity. I think a lot of people are going to be putting that down. Ironically, they probably write it down on their phone.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone does anything, like, handwritten anymore. What the fuck is that?
1: Yeah, writing, moving my body, (laughs) fuck that. Uh, what's your number four?
0: I sweat just picking up a pencil. Um... I have be less stressed. Oh. So, like, uh, relax more, you know, I don't know, not not take everything so seriously, maybe, you know, try to meditate more, blah, blah, blah.
1: Have you ever meditated?
0: Not, not since I've been an adult. I took two years of yoga in college, and that's been it.
1: You took two years of yoga in college?
0: Yeah, I did, actually.
1: What? What do you mean two years? So four semesters or two semesters?
0: Uh two uh, two semesters. Two semesters but in different years. So I guess it's only one year, I suppose, of, of yoga.
1: Okay, so but wait a minute. What was the first class called? Like intro to yoga, and then what did you take the next one?
0: Uh, advanced to yoga.
1: Could how far like how flexible were you? What were you trying to do? What are
0: you? <laughs> you, <laughs> was... you know, believe it or not, I mean I could do all the basic moves, but the hardest yoga I think I've ever done, and this is going to sound real weak, I'm sure, to anyone that can do yoga, but partner yoga is fucking hard.
1: Who were you doing partner yoga with in college?
0: Well, I mean, it, you know, it, it, your partners uh, differed.
1: Male so, partner mean, had female partner.
0: partner? Every time.
1: Male, Male or female, or both?
0: Both. Sometimes it was a male, sometimes it was a female. I can tell you the females are a lot easier to, you know, suspend in the air.
1: Okay, what does male partner yoga look like but with two straight men?
0: <laughs> Probably the most uncomfortable, uh, um, most awkward-looking thing anyone can see because, you know, a lot of times you're either like butt-to-butt butt or stomach-to-stomach, stomach, and you're just, you know. I remember a lot of times, especially butt-to-butt, <laughs> butt. I don't know why
1: that's so funny. Because I just – look. I can imagine this is not a knock on anyone's sexuality or anything like that. You do you, however you want to do you. I just can't imagine two straight men, especially not with one of them being a hundred, no, a two hundred and fifty pound pear shaped gentleman, doing belly to belly yoga with another man.
0: Like well, I just, I mean, when I say some, when I said meant belly, belly belly to <laughs> belly, I meant you know you're facing each other. You might wow, this this real bad. You might, be, you might be holding their leg or their arm or something. <laughs> Let's just move on.
1: What's your no, look? no. Did, when you were doing partner yoga with another man, did you ever bump uglies? Like accidentally, did you bump uglies with the other partner? <laughs>
0: uh, n- not that I can remember. Not face-to-face. But there were a couple of maneuvers, maneuvers, positions where, you know, one person would be on their back or whatever. Anyways, I don't want
1: to- <laughs> Okay, how did the conversation start? In which, like, so everybody was like, "Okay, partner up, class." Did you yeah, approach him? I did, mean, did he approach you? Did you approach him? Like, how did it go down? Or did you guys well, that, just like if everybody? I
0: right. I mean, mind you, this is fifteen years ago now. Uh, the instructor would would just say, "Okay, you know, we're done with the with the beginning. It's time for partner yoga. Find a partner, someone you haven't been with, and you know, we'll start with the, with the exercises."
1: Okay, Where, now, it wasn't.
0: You, I, I didn't go to a very big college, so there might have been twenty kids in each class. Okay, did but you, you know, partner yoga was maybe like five times a semester.
1: Okay, so right. did you now? Did you immediately seek out somebody, or were you just kind of left there like awkwardly, and then you and his eyes meet, and you are like, okay, I guess we're partners? <laughs> or did you guys kind of like, do you did you just walk up and be like, Hey I am John, let's partner? <laughs>
0: You know me, you know exactly what I did.
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs>
0: like I watched I watched all the all the guys, you know go up to the the good looking ladies and they were taken. and then here's you know the professional uh, world of Warcraft guy. Hey, my name's John. you want to do some partner yoga today? I'll stretch
1: out those fingers for you. So what was when you were with another male partner doing platonic <laughs> partner yoga? What was your favorite position? I mean, could oh he really? Could he really get in there and get you into places and levels that you've never been before?
0: Uh, I really don't. What? <laughs> I I don't remember the name, but I can I can explain it. And it's you're back to back, you link arms, and basically you get into a super low squat position, and you you take turns like putting one leg out. So like if I if say I me and you are butt to butt. We're in a squat. We're hold, you know, linked arm to arms, head to head. I put my right leg out. You would put your right leg out. We would hold it, bring it back in, do the other leg. You know, that was that was a good position.
1: I think I fucking passed out. I actually think I passed out for a minute there.
0: <laughs> good. But can we just edit? Can you edit this entire oh, two minutes? Oh, God, no,
1: no. No, I mean, Uh, I can edit it to make it sound worse. I I don't even, I just cannot get the visual of you doing partner yoga with another straight man. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. It it has nothing to do with, and look, this isn't anything against yoga or partner yoga. It's specifically you individually, right? (laughs) Like two other straight men doing partner yoga. I'm not laughing at all. Like, do what you want to do. It's specifically you doing it.
0: uh, honest to God, I I, I don't think I've... I mean, not that anyone would ever ask me. I think this is the first time outside of my college days I've ever told anybody that I did yoga.
1: Yeah, I'd known you for a long time. I had no idea. I've done it. I think it's great. Um, It's fantastic. It's a good... I recommend everyone do yoga. And if you want... If you're in Detroit and you're looking for a partner to do some male on male partner yoga completely, you know, nothing there, just give old John Shaw a look up and he'll, he'll he'll find you.
0: Please don't do that. I will fall on you and probably kill you,
1: though. Yeah, you, yeah, that is true. You gotta be a, you gotta be a burly man if you want to (laughs) partner yoga with John. Um, My number four is travel. I feel like the rest of my list is completely pointless now. um, That's the name of the show. I know. What a way to start the new year. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Uh, My number four is people probably say they want to travel more, and then they just fucking sit at home and do nothing.
0: Yeah, I thought about that one, but, you know, I don't know. I I feel like enough people travel. I mean, if you want to travel, travel. I don't care.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, you see the world, dude. Uh, What's your number three?
0: Uh, so I have quit smoking or drinking.
1: No way. Wait, wait, wait. How did you write it out? What did you put? Tell me exactly what you put.
0: Just how I told you. I quit smoking slash drinking. Oh, I have
1: drink slash smoke less.
0: Oh. <laughs> well, you know, it, I thought our thought we minds were... think alike, I guess. I
1: know. I was just seeing how connected by the universe we are. Um, my number two, you already mentioned it was saving money. What's your number two? Did you say you're number three? Yeah, dude. We just had a conversation about oh, it. Oh, yeah,
0: the smoking and drinking. I got it. I'm dumb. Never mind. Uh, I'm still thinking of partner yoga. I apologize.
1: <laughs> I understand. Sorry <laughs> to get that uh, fucking So my number two is uh, of... eating better or going on a diet. That's your number two? Yeah. Wow. That's surprising to me. I thought that that's my number one, losing weight. I thought that was going to be pretty universal that everybody's was... Like how many people really don't need to lose weight?
0: Well, so my number one might be a fraud then cuz I my number one I put working out.
1: Oh, okay, that's all right. That's kind of the same thing. I mean, you should have known that, but whatever.
0: Well, I mean, eating better, losing weight, working out, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't necessarily have to
1: That is true. You might be right and I might be wrong. Okay.
0: <laughs> you know what? You're we're going to partner yoga the shit out of each other next time Heck we Yeah, see each other. buddy.
1: Let's go butt to butt and then stomach <laughs> to stomach. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So wait, uh, did you just took those classes for no reason? What You got credit for that? What kind of school did you go to?
0: Uh, are, are we done recording?
1: Mm, no. Was it a real <laughs> school?
0: It was. Well, I mean, it's, it's an accredited university. I can tell you that.
1: Okay. Community college, or are we talking four-year?
0: Four-year. Four-year really? academic uh, private liberal arts <laughs> college. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would imagine those arts were pretty liberal at that school. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wait, that accounted towards your major? No, I. As an elective.
0: We're we're getting into something no one cares about.
1: I just want to know I what kind. Fast of,
0: tracked my major so so fast that basically I took all my my hard classes my freshman and sophomore year, so my junior and senior years. I had some open credits, so I could take stuff like that.
1: Why didn't you just graduate early?
0: Uh, Because there was two classes I needed to take my senior year that I could only take as as a senior.
1: Oh. So you just paid extra for those classes? Why did you just pay extra?
0: You know, I I, I wish I could tell you. I was young and dumb. I probably was like, "I'll, I'll take another year of school. Fuck it.
1: So wait a minute. You're telling me that you took out a school loan to take advanced yoga class in college. (laughs)
0: <laughs> sounds fucking stupid now doesn't it especially because last yeah, episode i told yeah, you i does. just paid off my student
3: loans
1: wow this man we could spend a whole episode just on your partner yoga decisions what a terrible you know what i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna spend 1500 bucks to learn me some fucking yoga <laughs>
0: advanced yoga no, sorry
1: sorry you're right all right what's in your what's on your honorable mention
0: well, I mean, we kind of kind of mentioned it. I don't really have much more. I have volunteering as well.
1: Oh, yeah. A lot of people put that pretentious crap on there. If you're not already <laughs> volunteering, you're not going to be doing it now. So leave that off.
0: And then I, I also have uh, do something you've never done before. You know how people are always like, I'm going to do something in the next year that, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and, you know, I'm going to be crazy and wild.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people put that. I had, uh, I actually have an honorable mention this time. Um, wow! Find a new job, be present in the moment. I feel like a lot of people put that. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like I want to see the person who's who has like get a divorce.
0: <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, you're putting something on my list, like. You know, getting out of a toxic relationship or, you know, breaking up with somebody. But I, I, I just didn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, but I want to – I'm not talking about the person that's in like a a physically bad or emotionally bad relationship. Just like, hey, my husband's an asshole. And I'm just going to – like, I've told that motherfucker to take out the trash so many times. It's my last nerve. I'm going to leave him. <laughs> divorce on march 17th march 17th that's my goal just to leave <laughs> just leave and never come back
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure that's what our wives are thinking about us
1: okay that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of the profoundly pointless podcast i want to thank you guys so much for joining us if you get a chance like download subscribe share we've really had a good year and it's all because of you guys and I, I can't say enough about how much we appreciate everybody who listens really, really thankful. I really appreciate it. And I, I think that we've got some big stuff planned. We're going to try to make t-shirts. I know we've been saying that for a while, but at least, at least in the near future, right? Because you always start off the new year strong, at least with the intentions of following through on plans. But we've got a couple of big episodes coming up that I think have some really great guests. I... Hope it's going to be off to a good start. Seeking the truth never gets old.
2: Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends.